This holiday season, please consider supporting the Cato Institute and specifically the Cato Daily Podcast. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to get started. If you support Cato with a donation of $1,000 or more, I'll gladly give you a shout-out on the podcast, or you can designate someone else to receive that benefit and all of the benefits of being a Cato sponsor. That website again, cato.org slash podcast sponsor, and thank you for your generosity. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, December 31st, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. While the Jones Act is meant to simply protect some U.S. shippers from competition, the problems associated with the nearly 100-year-old law may have gotten worse. That's according to Manuel Reyes, CEO of the Puerto Rico Food Marketing Industry and Distribution Chamber. We spoke at the Cato Institute's conference on the Jones Act earlier this month. The Jones Act is about 100 years old. It uh, governs uh, which ships are allowed to deliver goods sort of along the coasts of the United States. And uh, you argue, and this is, was surprising to me, that it has gotten worse. That is, the costs that the Jones Act imposes on Americans have gotten worse just in the last few decades. Why is that? Well, because the Jones Act doesn't operate in a vacuum. It's uh, uh, it's part of a larger set of regulations uh, that also deal with competition and, and market concentration, that sort of thing. And the markets, in the case of uh, offshore uh, domestic uh, trades as Hawaii, Alaska, and, and Puerto Rico, tend to be and have always tended to be uh, concentrated. So you had... Uh, uh, structure, uh, regulation structure that kind of avoided and protected shippers and consumers. And throughout, uh, specifically 1995, uh, as part of all the deregulation process uh, of transport that uh, was going about in, in the U.S., uh, that uh, level of supervision and oversight was eliminated under the premise that the market is a better regulator uh, than uh, the government, which is something that we all agree. Uh, but that deregulation process was incomplete because they left the, Mar the Jones Act intact. So what happened is that after the, the elimination of the Interstate Commerce Commission Act, uh, it, it created the scenario for the, those market concentration or market concentrated uh, uh, you know, situations to, to become abusive. And, and Congress knew this at the time, and it ordered the Department of Transportation to do a study on different areas of competitions and how they could protect or, or what legislation needed to be approved to protect and to avoid parallel pricing, for example, and, and other ways to protect uh, shippers and consumers. And the DOT, unfortunately, which is uh, a pro-Jones Act, you know, you can say agency uh, usually, uh, they did two studies afterwards, one in 97 and one in 2006. And in both studies, they said, they concluded that even though shippers complained, they found no evidence of wrongdoing of, of that something was going on. They admitted the markets were concentrated, but they had no data. And I think the data issue, it's very important uh, to highlight on this because once you took away the the oversight that you had with the Interstate Commerce Commission and, uh, and the Federal Maritime Commission uh, that looked at uh, the tariffs, they, need to, they needed to be public, they needed to be reasonable, and, the, uh, and carriers had to open their books. Uh, 
that created that scenario uh, for an abuse of power that the DOT said in 97 and, and 2006 that it wasn't happening, but they admitted that they had no data, actual data on it, uh, aside from data provided by the Jones Act uh, defenders. So precisely when the, the, the DOT was saying that there was no problem, in the case of Puerto Rico, the Department of Justice uh, filed a uh, case as a big, uh, uh, important case on antitrust violations, but mostly uh, all of the companies, that, except one that was uh, uh, servicing Puerto Rico, and that was followed by uh, class action suit and private uh, lawsuits afterwards. So precisely when the DOT said there, was, there wasn't any, anything wrong going on in the market, the Department of Justice proved that it was uh, having, they were having problems and they were abused. Uh, we were being abused in the case of Puerto Rico and, and shippers were being abused uh, by the carriers. But it's unfortunate, unfortunate that even after that happened, neither the DOT uh, or the Surface Transportation Board, which is a new agency that was created in 95 to deal with trains, but they, they somehow got uh, jurisdiction, a very limited jurisdiction over, over the trade. Uh, they haven't done anything to, to guarantee uh, and to protect shippers and to protect consumers afterwards. And even further, uh, some of the companies that were public at the time of the antitrust cases uh, became private afterwards, which is a move that they usually do to avoid scrutiny from, from regulators. Uh, so, and, and finally, in the case of Puerto Rico in 2015, uh, the largest uh, carrier left the market. Uh, at that time, they had 30% of the market. So now we have the, the, a more concentrated uh, market that we've ever had. Uh, we have a history history uh, of abuses, and we have no oversight, and chippers are basically defenseless uh, to kind of deal with this whole situation. So one of the reforms that seems obvious at this point, uh, you point out that the Interstate Commerce Commission uh, compelled uh, carriers to provide some data about uh, the operations of, of these companies, uh, and that went away. And so there was, as you say, less oversight. It seems like a natural reform would be, look, if we're going to keep this Jones Act, the very least we can do is get some data on whether or not uh, these markets are being uh, are unduly uh, receiving economic rents. Exactly. I mean, this is uh, what basically I'm saying is that we need to do what Congress intended in 95 that the DOT did, uh, but you cannot leave it to the DOT. And there are examples in the regulation of similar uh, analysis uh, and reports that needed to be frequently done uh, to different agencies, in this case, the Surface Transportation Board, but uh, they are uh, uh, assigned to the Federal Trade Commission, for example, or the Department of Justice Antitrust Divisions. Because they are the ones who deal with market concentrations and and problems of this sort, uh, so you cannot leave it to the to a DOT to do a, an adequate study. So yeah, the, I think you know one move forward would be to either. Uh, uh, require some type of oversight, or at least uh, that type of analysis that was required in in '95 be moved to an agency that actually knows the, of the sub subject and 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 cares about the subject and is not influenced by the pro Jones Act groups. If, as the Cato Institute's trade department would prefer, uh, we achieve a full repeal of the Jones Act, what would you expect to be the first couple of 
uh, changes uh, with respect to shipping in the United States? Well, uh, and this, that's a very important question because uh, most of this discussion kind of, uh, of assumes uh, that uh, U.S. Uh, carriers or, or U.S. Uh, uh, shippers would not be involved in it and that you will get, you know, a big uh, uh, entrance of foreign uh, uh, carriers. And that, that might not be the case. Uh, for example, in the, in the case of Puerto Rico, all the U.S. Jones Act uh, uh, companies or carriers also operate uh internationally flagged ships. So I would expect them to be competitive uh, and they would probably use uh, foreign built uh, ships uh, to compete. Uh, in the case of Puerto Rico, they already know the clients, they already know the markets. Uh, so they have a competitive advantage. Uh, they will just have to compete. So I think that that will be the most probable, uh, uh, you know, cause of action that they will have to take if the Jones Act is repealed. And, and it would be hard because, again, they're doing it right now. Manuel Reyes is CEO of the Puerto Rico Food Marketing Industry and Distribution Chamber. Now it's time for a quick shout out to a big supporter of this podcast and the Cato Institute, Brian Solomon. Thank you for your support for this podcast and the broad mission of Cato. Supporters like you make it possible for us to continue our work defending individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. If you'd like to be more like Brian, and why wouldn't you? You can support Cato's efforts by visiting cato.org slash podcast sponsor.